Hello, my friends. You are listening to the Shine at Work podcast, formerly known as Getting Off the Hamster Wheel. I'm your host, Karen Weeks. I'm a transformational career coach who helps career-oriented humans get unstuck and find and be successful in careers that bring them joy, fulfillment, and success. I believe you should actually love what you do, even on the bad days, that you can find a career that lights you up because, spoiler alert, it impacts how bright you shine in your whole life. Every week, I talk to someone who felt stuck in their job and found a way to build a career that was right for them, because I know how that feels when your light is dim. I made a career change from theater to HR and now coaching, and at times in my life, I've had to look inside to see what was important, what made me shine bright, and make adjustments along the way. It's possible. I did it, my guests did it, and I help others do it. I hope you walk away from each episode, not just inspired, but with some actionable advice. And I hope you find it so valuable that you subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and tell your friends, because we all deserve to shine bright in our lives, specifically at work. Okay, let's jump into this week's episode. Hi, everyone. Before we jump into today's episode, I actually wanted to share a special offer for all my podcast listeners. I have just a couple of one-on-one spots available, both for the rest of this year, 2021, but I'm also starting to open up spots for January of 2022 for one-on-one coaching to help you get unstuck, figure out what you want to change in your life and your career, and get you on a trajectory that's going to be amazing for the new year. Whether this is your broader life or specifically your career, I can help you. We will spend time unearthing why you're feeling stuck today, things that you enjoy, things that you don't enjoy, and what that all means for the future, both what kind of roles you could consider, what kind of companies, what kind of industries, is it a complete 180, is it a bridge role to get you to a new 180 career, or is it just taking a step forward and just trying to figure out what would make you happier in your life? that is tied directly to your career. So with all that, like I said, I've got a couple of spots left for 2021, um, but I'm also starting to book for 2022. So if you commit now, when you reach out to me, reference this podcast and I will give you a discount on my rates. I would love to work with you to help you figure out the best way to transform your life and shine your brightest in the new year. So let's connect. You can either email me at karen at karendweeks.com connect with me through these platforms or even on my website. And if you reference this podcast, I'll make sure you get the deal. All right, now on to today's episode. Hi, everybody. I am so excited that I am here with Brooke today. We met through mutual acquaintance, but we actually don't know each other that well. So this is going to be an amazing opportunity for me to learn her story, just like you are. So first, let me just give Brooke a chance to say hi and introduce yourself. Hello, everybody. My name is Brooke Gassaway, and I am an employee experience professional. Um, it took me a while to get there. I started my professional journey uh, being as an architect. So I'm excited to talk to Karen today about how I got from architecture to HR. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that's always exciting is you don't always end up where you start. And that's the point of this whole conversation, this whole podcast is along the way, you're going to learn new things about yourself. And so how do you sort of build the career that that really gives you the chance to be the person you want to be? So going back to the beginning when you were in school or when you were sort of starting off your adult life, what did you think you wanted to be? Did you think you wanted to be an architect? Let's put it this way. I kind of had like a narrow focus. My mom was a lawyer. My dad was an architect. And I think I just said, I like, I like math and I like design. So I'm going to do that. Mm. Um, you know, 
I didn't have this like burning desire to be an architect, but I knew that I, I liked the arts, but I also liked the sort of analytical side, you know, the, like the math side of things. Uh, but what I learned once I was in architecture school, you don't have to be good at math <laughs> um, necessarily <laughs> to become an architect. Um, and I just, you know, I, I went through school um, learning, training as an architect as a five-year professional program. Um, and there were bits and pieces that I learned about myself that I really liked and things I didn't like. Mm. Um, yeah, but actually going way back as a child, I wanted to be a teacher. Oh, wow. So what I think is, is kind of funny now coming full circle is that I've, I used my design career, um, but now I'm more in the employee engagement sphere and I'm very much doing workshops and, and teaching people, people programs. So I'm going back to what I wanted to be when I was five maybe not when I was 15 or 25 but really going back to like way back to the roots oh that's so neat well and I love that through line that often ends up happening with people even when they do something totally different than on paper doesn't look connected at all but then when you look at either the skills that you're using or sort of the inspiration behind it you're you really quickly able to connect the dots and say, oh, this is actually something that's been there the whole time. I just showed itself in different ways. Yes. Yes, exactly. It kind of takes stepping back to see what your thread or connections are, but that's, that's one thing I talk to people about a lot and maybe we'll get to this, (laughs) but there has to be a thread. Then there probably is a thread, but maybe you haven't identified it yet. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you're in architecture school, you're going to be an architect, Um, how long are you in that profession? And and you mentioned you learned things about yourself. Like what were you learning Mm -hmm. about yourself during that time? So what I learned about myself in architecture school was that I really liked communicating with people. I liked the sort of the the end result with the client. And I very much liked coming together with people to help them achieve a goal. Mm. But I didn't necessarily care so much about or what I wasn't really as passionate about as other architecture students was the exact design detail, you know, was the, mm. the corner detail, was what the handle of a door looks like, you know, rather than what the door looks like, I cared more about how the people felt when they walked through the door. Mm, interesting. Um, and so, you know, everybody has different passions, but I ended up after graduating from Virginia Tech, I did end up starting a professional career journey for about five to six years in the architectural field. And I worked at top line architecture firms. Um, it's kind of like within that world, they call it like star architect firms. So, you know, <laughs> great firms here in New York that I continued to learn about myself, but I continued to be reiterated to me or more apparent to me that I cared more about the communication, the client and the feeling of people more so than the exact design details. Mm-hmm. And that just kept coming up as a theme over those five to six years of being in that, in that field. Yeah. That's so interesting. Uh, especially since we know where you sort of end up, but the, mm-hmm. um, I've even heard people describe it as like, I was more focused on the psychology behind things versus mm-hmm. the literal thing I was supposed to be doing. And how mm-hmm. did I, how can I then bring that to something else? So, so you mentioned people mm-hmm. were mentioning it to you, but were you also becoming aware of it as well when you were in, you know, those meetings or working on those projects? Yeah, I think I was most aware. It wasn't that I was like completely dissatisfied. I liked architecture enough to get me through school <laughs> enough to know that it was, you know, I knew it was a good profession with, with quotes around that and, or a great profession. I knew that it could, you know, it was something that on paper that I should like. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I liked it enough to, to kind of get through it. But what I realized is I liked other aspects 
of like a professional career more. Yeah. So let's say a design project, which in architecture can be very lengthy. It could be anywhere from like months to years, but especially to get a building realized um, that could take like five years. Mm. So I knew when I worked on one particular project for about three years, as we got toward like the presentations to the client, that's when I was most excited or whenever I got to put together kind of a storyboard and tell the client, get their feedback, work on something and then present it back to them based on their feedback. Like little did I know that's very much human centered design or that's yeah. what user experience design is all about is, is, is getting information from the user. So I, you know, I just kind of had little clues here and there, yeah. but I wasn't like completely miserable. But what I learned toward the end of that, it was like, I want to, I want to have a career where it's like, 90% of the time or a hundred percent of the time can be really exciting yeah. rather than this like two year build up And then the third year, yay, we're presenting it to the client. Like, why can't I have three years that are <laughs> mostly good? It kind of took a lot for me to realize it was okay to change careers. Yes. Cause a lot of that, it was like, Oh, I've invested, you know, just even five years for, for a degree. I've invested time in that. Now I've invested interviews and getting a good job at a, at, you know, at a, at a wonderful firm that other architects would love to have. So, you know, how could I try to change that? You know, I was, I was, I was just caught in the circle of I've decided this and I need to stick with it. Yes. But it took a while for me to realize it's okay to take what I learned and change. Yeah. Well, and I think that's so spot on because especially like you said, like on paper, everything looked good. You had the skills. It was a reputable place. It wasn't a bad environment. You're doing these amazing projects. So come on, Brooke, like what's wrong with you? No one loves what they do all the time. You know, like those kinds of stories. So I think it takes so much courage to be able to say, this is actually more than that for me. Like, yes, I'm thankful. I'm grateful. I'm happy and proud of the work I've done, but there's, there's something missing for me. So what was sort of the impetus for you or what was sort of the the moment that made you realize and get the courage to, to say those things and to say, I, I have built a great career, but it's not right for me moving forward. I need to change something. Right. I think it was kind of the moment I realized this is good but my career could be great. Yeah. And, and that's when I allowed myself um, through side projects, actually at architecture firms, I did a a lot of philanthropy side projects where I would try to involve the community or the firm. And I realized I was more passionate about those side projects and these community outreach projects, maybe than the day-to-day projects. Mm -hmm. And if I could turn those sort of side projects into my full-time career, I could only imagine how great things would be. Yes. Well, and I think you bring up a great point too around, you know, there are ways to do it where you can try things out for a little bit. I was literally talking to somebody about this this morning. You know, if you want to make a career pivot, it does not have to be this huge, like I walked out the door and then I did this total (laughs) 180 and, you know, you can build the credibility and also you can test things out to see if you even like it, or does this change my feelings towards something and doing it in sort of in a lower risk way than like this big dramatic shift or whatever. Um, Yeah. So that's great that you find ways to do that. I agree with that. Whether that's, whether that's some sort of side or extra project within the current Mm -hmm. career that you're in, or if it's something that you have the 
capacity to do at home or, you know, on weekends or volunteering, I always feel, or I tell people that's a great way to kind of test out your skills and confirm that you do want to go in that direction. Like you said, without committing or, or stepping away from your job and that you currently are in. Yeah. So how did you then transfer that into sort of your next career phase? I, I love these sort of philanthropy projects I was doing at architecture firms. I also knew that I love communicating with the client and I did uh, it personally in 2015, I was um, diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Mm. And uh, what I learned from that uh, was that I was able to do even more side <laughs> projects to fundraise for the MS society. Mm-hmm. But I think that just solidified that one life is short. You know, you have these moments in life that, okay, maybe one day things will be different for me. So let me make it the best I can now, but also solidified not only am I good in these sort of communication workshop projects internally at my career, I'm able to do those externally. And I've led a bike MS team to raise over $25,000. So it's like, I know I can use those skills to, to, to translate that into something that I do from, you know, what used to be eight to five Monday yeah. through Friday. I can translate that now. And I think those, that fundraising projects and, and community outreach gave me the confidence mm. to, to do that as well. That's amazing. Well, first of all, like kudos for you for, you know, like spinning all of that together and recognizing it, this, all of the pieces of my life can kind of come together and really propel me forward, both, you know, to, obviously focus on your health and give back to the community and this, you know, world that you are now in and taking the skills that you already have and being able to lend them to this next phase. Um, and to your point, the, the side gigs helped you sort of build some of that confidence. So again, going back to the importance of trying things out. So, right. so here you are in sort of, I don't know if you want to call it phase two of, of your career. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that sort of what did you learn from that phase and what was the, the sort of purpose and goal of this new part of your life and your new part of your career? So once I got into this phase too, I just think it's important for everyone to know it didn't happen overnight. If we reiterate <laughs> what I said, that's five years of, of studying architecture that was kind of on the fence about, plus another five to six years of learning all these things uh, within the field. So that's like 10 to 11 years for me to learn these things to get to phase two. <laughs> So sometimes it seems like, oh, I'm one night I wrote on paper, all these things. No, it, it was like a decade of learning about myself a little bit at a time to get there. So let's say I had this decade of, of self-study and then now I'm entering phase two. And, and I would say there was definitely this transitional period between let's say phase one as an architect and phase two as an employee experience um, mm-hmm. professional. And that sort of intermediate time was I started training architects and onboarding them um, at, at WeWork. Oh, wow. And so that was this transitional period where I used my industry knowledge of, of the profession I had been in for 10 years, but I was able to sort of test out these new skills that I knew I had, but I hadn't applied them in the professional world yet. Yeah. So that was sort of a, I would recommend that was my transitional period. That was my 1.1 between phase one and phase two. Yeah. And once I got really settled into that, that's taken me to where I am today and sort of pushed me completely into phase two. Yeah. So I was able to, to, to find a transition to bridge those two um, gaps yeah. you know, or bridge the gap, bridge yeah. those two phases. 
That's perfect. And I think it's so funny. I was just talking to someone yesterday about they are in sales and they kind of feel like their own sales journey is over, but they love mentoring other folks. And so Mm -hmm. we were talking about, you know, is it sales training? Is it being a manager? Is it being literally a coach for sales people? And because you can take all those years of experience and just use them in a different way versus literally doing the job yourself anymore. Absolutely. And that kind of ties back to me being a teacher, right? So I had I had been in this architectural world for 11 years or so. And then I was like, let me, let me just teach it to other people. And that will up my communication skills. Mm-hmm. And that was my, that was my slow transition. I would say that was like one foot into the, into the employee experience mm-hmm. and communications world. And now I'm, I've got the second foot in. Yeah. So now I'm completely in that world. Yeah. Well, and I think also, you know, a lot of questions I get from folks is around, you know, well, how do I actually get those jobs, right? Like, how do I position myself as the thing I'm trying to be and help them understand that the skills I have are transferable. And so I would imagine sort of that, that bridge role was also doing that, you know, I have, I literally been this person. I present really well. I, I'm able to, to guide others so I can be a trainer to be the role I used to be. And then as a trainer, you know, a lot of what I do is help people be great at their jobs and you can sort of then transition that into the next phase. So you're, you're literally showing the path of transferable skills along the way. Exactly. And transferable skills are what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> so while being a trainer uh, or, you know, whatever the exact title was, yes. but um, is in the employee experience, people and culture space, um, right. How did you recognize that the experience piece is something that you really wanted to lean into more? So it was just through through really example, I guess, um, seeing other people internally and other jobs, you know, seeing what that was. And um, just recognizing that whenever I was doing onboarding and corporate training, again, it tied back to kind of an architecture where I always liked that experience for people. Mm-hmm. I realized I loved that experience for people still but it was through programming and not physical spaces Mm -hmm. so it was um that corporate training program really solidified that I liked making people happy I mean who doesn't (laughs) but you know I wanted to make a career of that that is amazing and so did you have you know another conversation I have with folks is sort of doing, making that move first internally. So you're already at a company and you enjoy what you do and you can, you know, do an internal transfer and then maybe do it again somewhere else. Did you find opportunities in your current company at the time to make that transition? Yes, that's, that's a hundred percent what I did at my (laughs) previous job. I was, uh, I started there as a designer and because it wasn't an architecture firm, but it was a, it was more like a real estate company. Mm or tag, however you want to classify (laughs) WeWork. Um, I was in a, I was in a little design bubble, but Mm -hmm. that, that then lended itself for me to become a trainer internally. So I a hundred, a hundred percent agree with internal transfers are a really good way to test out your skills. You already have credibility most likely with your team, or if you do have to transfer teams internally and you've established a good relationship with your existing manager and team, you have mm-hmm. advocates internally that can say, I've seen them use those skills. So that's a wonderful way to approach it. So I, yes, I did the, I did the bridge job. I did the internal transfer before <laughs> the next role. That is awesome. And when you went for the next role, did you feel like you had your story sort of solidified and this is why I know I can do this next? Um, or did you have to do a little selling of yourself? 
I still had to sell myself. Um, so then the next step, which I, you know, fully in this journey was, was one that happened about a year ago or year and a half ago during the height of the pandemic. Mm. And I was actually laid off like so many other millions of people. So, you know, it was like, I had my confidence up to where, yes, I know I can do this role, but then it kind of goes, there's those dips, you know, there's the ebbs and flows. And it was like, oh no, but I was laid off. Um, So I kind of had to reestablish myself there to really kind of tell my story again, (laughs) you know, and that's where I really relied on telling the thread between architecture and where I was in, because I knew at that point, my resume was about half design or, or half or a little bit less employee experience. So I needed someone who's going to read that resume for six seconds yeah. to understand, you know, what the heck are you doing and how is this combined? <laughs> so I really focused on transferable skills. I still played that up and I still played up, um, what was it? Transferable skills. And there was something, oh, oh the bridge, you know, the bridge <laughs> between those things, the thread that connected um, my roles. And I was, I mean, I said that that's like the first sentence on my LinkedIn. That's a <laughs> sentence in my resume. So it's like, don't even, it doesn't even give someone time to question it. Yeah. It's, if you're confident and you have that thread, then it's oh, okay. She knows how it connects. Now I know how it connects. Yeah. That's it. So that was always like my first intro. Yeah, no, I so agree. It's it's connect the dots for them. Don't make them do the detective work to figure it out. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that was something I had to also learn the hard way because sometimes I, I wasn't connecting the dots for them, but I eventually learned that I needed to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's, um, to make that change also during COVID and to join a new company during COVID, especially employee experience where, you know, folks are really focused on helping the teams through these really difficult mm-hmm. times. Um, it's, it's related, but a little off, but since you did it, do you have any advice for folks um, joining new companies still remote or, do, you know, cause COVID's still doing whatever it's doing right now. I don't know what to call this phase of right. COVID, but what advice would you have for folks that are doing a career shift during, you know, these more difficult times and all remote probably still? Um, So something that a career coach that I worked with during this time asked me, are you looking for a job or the job? Mm. So maybe that's a question for the listeners to ask. Are you looking like, do you need a job to sustain yourself and your family right now? Are you looking for the, the job that's the opportunity to transfer your skills? So I think knowing that for yourself, first is really helpful just in where you're searching and how you kind of talk to people. And for me, you know, I knew I, and I actually, I, when I was laid off, I was pregnant. So it was like a lot. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. So it was, it was the pandemic. I was pregnant as a first time mom. So for me, it was like, luckily I did have, um, I did have a severance package that could carry me through a few months. So I was saying, you know, for me, I was like, I wanted to find the job that would that would be able to sustain my family long-term yeah. because I was, I was positioned to be able to do that. Um, so I knew it was going to take more months. So there was time where the severance ended and where, you know, I was keep, I kept looking for that job, but I thought, you know, I want to be able to do this kind of job search once or at least for, for the next yeah. good while <laughs> and, and be really satisfied. So I, it took more time in the back end, and that was just something maybe, one should be aware of when you're going into that. Are you looking for something quick? Are you, you know, maybe kind of the job is going to take a longer time. And for me, that was something I accepted that it might take longer, but I'm going to, I want to be happy. In, in yeah. the 
Yeah. No, it's a great question. I often ask people is sort of, you know, what's your timeline is, do you have the flexibility to do this for six months? Do you need it to be done in two weeks? You know, cause that, right, right. that basically answers that question is, um, we all have necessities in life that we have to cover. So where are you sort of in that journey? And it, it also too, you know, even if you do still have a job, you know, how bad is it for you right now? Is this, I wake up every morning in tears because I can't do this anymore, or it's a real toxic environment, or mm -hmm. I just know this isn't right for me in the long term. So I just want to start exploring other things and, and start that process. Those are all mm -hmm. very different approaches to this conversation. Yeah, definitely. And I don't know if I answered your question about, you know, entering the work force remotely, maybe I would say take clues from your interview, mm. you know, take clues from your interview, because that's probably a really good example of how they're going to, your company is, you know, looking at the remote workforce, because yeah. most likely your interview interviews now are remote. Mm -hmm. How did they treat it? Did they show up on time? Was there, you know, was there flexibility in that? I think there's just great power in, um, in actions rather than words. So I wouldn't research the policies too much. Maybe that's good, <laughs> but also just how are the people treating you? No, that's a great point. And I think, especially someone in employee experience, I've really found that candidates are looking more at that now and able to better identify what does culture mean to them because they just went through a year and a half where how their company treated them or how their company reacted to some really tough things in the world all of a sudden meant more than foosball and ping pong tables and free beer. And I think yes. now they like have examples of, oh, this is what was going to be important to me as a company. How did you handle that? And whether that's employee experience or culture or whatever you want to call it, I think mm -hmm. folks have a better understanding of how to dig into that a little bit more during the interview process. Definitely. Yeah. And, and I, I love LinkedIn. That's, you know, that's how we connected. Uh, another great advantage of that is you can try to talk to employees who are already there. Yeah. So that's another, you know, um, reach out, make, make networking connections just to kind of learn from who's already there, whether it's somebody that's at, I think you should connect with both someone who's at your level and potentially someone who's a little higher and get those two perspectives. If, you know, and LinkedIn, what I love about it is it gives everyone that opportunity, like democratizes the the playing field to who you can speak to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's excellent. Well, I appreciate so much everything you shared and the advice that you shared along the way and your transparency of what you learned about yourself and what was important to you. As you, as we wrap up, is there one thing that either you wish you knew as you went through this, or you want someone to really take away from our conversation today? I would just reiterate that transitioning takes time. Mm. So don't be too hard on yourself if it doesn't happen overnight. And also realize that there's most likely a bridge in somewhere in your transition. So whether you started in one thing and you're going to another, don't be afraid to, to make a bridge that kind of tries to bring those two worlds together, even if it's not completely in what you're trying to get, you know, in the long term. And three, it is okay to change your mind. It, like being a lifelong learner is all about changing your mind, changing your perspective, learning new things. And I'm sure that whether you learned about yourself or whether you learned a skill in your previous job, whatever it is, that can be taken to a new role and it is okay uh, to, to change and it's okay to want to change. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm so glad you said that. Um, the okay to change and um, like permission to change, I think is one of the biggest things. I mean, you mentioned it, 
10 years in total in architecture before making a change. Um, but why stay with something again, it wasn't wrong, but like why stay with something that's not fulfilling and really not taking you where you want your life to be. So thank you so much for everything that you shared. We'll make sure to include your LinkedIn profile and you know, your bio and all that kind of good stuff. But is there anything in particular where people could reach you as LinkedIn, the best way to find you? LinkedIn is definitely the best way to find me. Um, I'm very active on the, on the website. So yeah, feel free to reach out to me. And I try to read, you know, I try to respond to most messages and if there's something really urgent and I don't get back to you, write to me again. It's okay to do that. I, I won't get upset. That might be another great piece of advice. Cause that's the other thing people always ask, like how many times can I follow up? Yeah, yeah exactly. Can I follow up? Should yeah. I follow up? Yes, you should follow up. And yeah, I kind of fallen off grid for a few months. I'm getting back into it. So um, give me a little bit of patience, but I'm definitely excited to connect and, you know, help whoever wants to reach out, but also that's growing my network as well. Well, thank you again. We really appreciate you joining us and sharing your story. Awesome. Thanks, Karen. Thank you so much for listening to the Shine at Work podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave a review. Leaving a review just takes a few minutes and truly helps other people find the podcast. If you want to learn more about how I work with people to help them transform their careers and shine brightly in their lives, please visit karendweeks.com and follow us on Instagram at kdwcoaching underscore careers or join our Facebook group with the same name. And thank you as always to Astronaut Go Home for our music. Until next time, remember that you can and deserve to shine at work.